Strategic Healthcare Partners, founded by principals John Crew and Mike Scribner, operates from offices in Savannah and Atlanta. Our diverse team prioritizes clients, ensuring we fully understand their needs. As your business partner, we are an extension of your professional identity. SHP tailors services to your individual needs, offering flexible pricing structures. From IPA management to financial analysis, we're here to empower your organization. Visit shpllc.com for details. Welcome to Beyond the Stethoscope, Vital Conversations with SHP. I'm your co-host, Aaron Higgins. On today's episode, Jason Crosby shares with us some of the top 10 healthcare news items in 2022, and I talk about a patient satisfaction survey that shows most patients have had a bad experience in the last year with their provider, practice, or hospital. Then Jason and I sit down together to talk about the quality payment program, the changes happening in 2023, where the program is headed in future years, and what you should be doing right now to maximize your participation and avoid penalties. Are you ready for this vital conversation? Let's get going. Well, good morning, Jason. Morning, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You have a good Thanksgiving? I did. I did. Now we're on the stretch run. That's right. The what I like to call the lost weeks, the weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas, where almost nothing happens. But we do have some things happening. Uh, got a news headline for us today. I do. So this, in addition to being holiday season, I always think this is the season of articles that come out looking back and those that are trying to predict what's coming forward in 23, right? The typical top trends this year, top trends next year sort of thing. And so I decided to take one from 2022, looking back from the medical futurist, and not to go through all of them, but a few caught my eye, right? You've got the rise of digital therapeutics. I think they're spot on there. Retail giants, you and I have talked a great bit about that, the retail folks getting into primary care. Virtual wards, I love hearing that phrase, wards, you know, there's virtual care all over the place. Uh, Others getting into digital healthcare, World Health Organization. But the few that caught my eye were at the very end. And here's a little nuggets out there, right? A tool to detect breast cancer at home. So a device called the Dot Plot uh, recently won the prestigious UK James Dyson Award. Uh, so it's medical professionals welcoming the intervention, but warrant it's not a substitute necessarily for going to the doctor, as it says, but it's a way to help those at home. So we talk a lot about consumerism and at home care. Right. Here's just another one I actually wasn't aware of. And I thought, wow, that's an interesting look to it. Well, the very next look back, a drone delivering a defibrillator saved a cardiac patient's life. And this was in Sweden. A 71 year old having a heart attack to shoveling snow was resuscitated by a nearby physician after a drone flew in a defibrillator. And it's not the first. It's happened over a dozen times as part of this study that was done. And then lastly, my favorite, a smart TV becoming a remote care platform, right? We all got our big smart TVs these days, and now there's just 
more and more use of that as a tool for at-home healthcare. And so it, it, and it touched on metaverse and, and the use of that at home. And I thought, wow, that's an interesting perspective of what we're probably looking at in 2023. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to 2023 in, in the positive news front. There's been a lot of great advancements actually because of the pandemic, a lot of money got put into healthcare. So it's kind of an exciting time to be in here. I want to let our listeners know, if you're really curious about uh, the articles that we're talking about or want to learn more about it, we do have all links to our news articles in the show notes. Okay, let me uh, transition into my article. And this one really caught my eye. So six in 10 patients have had a bad healthcare experience in the past year, according to the Barrel Institute's IPOS PX Pulse, boy, that's a mouthful, Uh, a quarterly report that examines patient experience. So in the last three months, 60% of respondents said that they had a poor patient health experience. So that's amazing to me. 14% said they had a positive one. Um, I don't know what school you went to, but in in my my grade school years, that that would be a uh, big fat F, and uh, that's worrying. So if our listeners want to learn more about this uh, article, I'm going to tease a little bit in season two coming up uh, here in 2023, we're going to change up our format a little bit and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this particular report. But I also want to refer back to our first couple of episodes uh, with Scott Regan, where we dove with him into the whole experience economy and the idea of consumerism within healthcare. Uh, I think that's worth a listen to, to really pivot around uh, this particular report. Okay, Jason, I think that's about time for our news today. Um, I hear we have a really fascinating guest today, don't we? (laughs) Yes, the one, the only, Aaron Higgins himself. Oh, wow. What what a surprise. (laughs) For those uh, that participate in MIPS, Want to know more about MIPS, now the quality payment program. Aaron had a webinar for us a couple of weeks ago, and we're following that up with a podcast here today. And so if you want a shortened verbal version versus the PowerPoint he shared with us a couple of weeks ago, uh, listen up. I think you'll find it very informative and, as always, very enlightening. Listen to the the one, the only, Aaron Higgins. (laughs) Well, I, for one, look forward to listening to myself, um, <laughs> which is surprise nobody if they know me. Alrighty, Jason, I think that's it for our news segment today, and uh, I look forward to talking to you next week. Well, will do it. Talk to you then. Hi, I'm joined today by a familiar voice, my podcast partner in crime, Aaron Higgins of SHP. Today's topic, we're going to cover the basics, the ins and outs, and all things related to the quality payment program final ruling that recently came out. Aaron, how are you? And thank you for joining. I'm doing pretty good, Jason. How about you? Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. So Aaron has been with SHP for quite a few years now between our analytics department and as our IT strategist. A lot of this background and current function is knowing anything and everything related to MIPS and now QPP. But Aaron, as we get started, tell us a little bit how you got started in healthcare and specifically how you became involved with quality in the first place. Sure. So my background starts relatively benign. I was the IT guy brought on to a cardiology group in uh, 
the waning years of the Bush administration and the early days of meaningful use in PQRS. Uh, at that same time, the practice, like many practices, was moving from paper charts to digital charts. And so I was brought in to help them move to their new EHR. And it just kind of got coupled with the whole EHR deployment of, well, we have to do PQRS. We have to do this meaningful use thing using our EHR. You're the expert on the EHR, so why don't you run it? And so it, it had the snowball effect from there where larger and larger chunk of time went from, hey, my mouse isn't working to, hey, how come my ERX score is low? And, and it just, the, the growth of it was sort of this natural onset. And coming to uh, Savannah several years ago, uh, I did primarily that sort of thing, PQRS. And then at the time, uh, QPP or MIPS was new. Um, so I helped the practice, get on board with that and, and do their scoring. And then coming to SHP, it grew from just being a solo practice focus to helping a lot of our clients, uh, do their QPP work. So in that time I've worked with IPAs and, uh, large practices, small practices, helping them solve their quality payment program questions. Have a natural evolution from the IT background, EMR support and a QPP, which is Pretty common, it seems like these days, if not clinical, kind of coming from the VMR side, gives you some unique insight, I can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the biggest part about being successful with QPP really comes down to workflows, making sure you're documenting the care in the right way, according to your EMR's needs. So that, that was really the biggest barrier that we had with adoption with any sort of quality payment, fill in the blank, whether it was meaningful use or PQRS, it, it came down to workflows. Fantastic. Well, on that front, let's, let's back up a little bit. Explain a bit around the origins of the quality payment program. Sure. Well, I've already mentioned PQRS and meaningful use. So those were the forebearers, but we actually have to go back even further to the late nineties. A lot of the private payers were trying to figure out ways that they could reduce costs and improve patient outcomes. And at the same time too, the federal government was doing the same thing. And so the two kind of came together. The private payers, a lot of the, the private organizations, uh, such as the American Medical Association and the federal government sat down in the mid aughts and said, we need something. We don't know what we need, but we need something that improves patient care. That's measurable that everyone can do. And in again, the late Bush years, uh, so circa 2008 we started seeing a lot of rumblings from CMS about uh, this new meaningful use program to, sh to get people to use EMRs and use them in a meaningful, useful way. EMRs were, were a thing. They just, they, they weren't widespread. And so that program took on a life of its own. And then under the Obama administration, it grew even further. Then by the time the Obama terms were nearly done, we ended up with MACRA, which was the, the Medicare and CHIP Reauthorization Act of 2015. And from that MACRA program, we got the quality payment programs, which is the umbrella term that we use to cover MIPS. So the merit-based incentive payment system, MIPS, uh, we got a lot of the ACOs and the advanced payment uh, models that we have today, APMs. All of that came out of MACRA. So it's, it's been 20 years or so of just 
gestation and constant evolution of the programs. Yeah, sounds like it. Whether it's the alphabet soup that's evolved or the umbrella of reimbursement underneath it, measures, et cetera, definitely a, a big evolution. So let's let's touch on that a little bit. Over the last seven years in particular, since it was passed in 2015, lots of changes even within that small window. Why would you say that is and how has that program changed so much? One of the big complaints about meaningful use was how rigid it was. It changed a little bit every year, but it was extremely rigid. There wasn't a good feedback mechanism for it. So at its heart, MACRA was written by Congress to require a lot of feedback. And CMS has taken that feedback every year. Uh, so they, they release a proposed rule. And, and that being said, laws have always required a feedback period. It's just with MACRA, that was baked right in. They, they were very strict on CMS soliciting feedback and very clear on the release schedule for it. And so every summer we get a proposed rule for QPP and then come quarter four sometime, we'll, we'll see the final rule. Now this year, it was great. Final rule drop in late October. It was on a Halloween. So it was a little bit of a treat. Um, and I say that because in prior years, they've waited as long as the first week of December. So there's not a whole lot of time to read through the final rule. But, but going back to that feedback, that, that's been an important element and a big driver of how the programs evolve. When the program was first introduced, it was very a la carte, uh, kind of pick your own adventure sort of thing. And now it's kind of going back to that rigidity that we had with meaningful use, but with a lot more care and a lot more feedback put into it with the introduction of MVPs, which is the, the way that MIPS is going to evolve non-APM practices in the future. Let's, let's keep going on that path. So lots of changes, obviously, as you just mentioned, and my folks are listening now to 2023 final rule, which just came out, as you just mentioned, hit on specifically some of the measures and points that you feel are most influential for folks coming in the 23 rule. Yeah. Some of the changes that we're seeing with 23 aren't as huge as we've had in prior years. Some of the years, the program's drastically changed. And again, going back to that feedback element, the, the final rules always have this, this question or an answer, or I guess, feedback and answer response sort of mechanism in there. And it's, it's fascinating to read through that if you're a nerd like me, because you get an idea of what CMS is thinking when they're writing these rules. And in many cases, we've seen it where someone's left comments and it's made a change in the final outcome. And, and we saw that this year too. There were several measures that were proposed for removal and the quality, uh, and ended up staying and getting changed instead. Uh, so the, the feedback matters, but this year, some of our bigger changes were actually a little bit of a surprise for some of us, uh, cause they weren't in the proposed rule and, and CMS is allowed to do that. Uh, things come up between the time that the proposed rule is released and the time that the final rule is released. Um, so they, they may change it. So one of the big changes is in regards to the certified EHR technology or CHERT. Uh, it's right now, 2015 CHERT is required to participate in any form of QPP, but they have updated the CHERT certification to the CURES update. So you need to make sure your EHR vendor, uh, is updating your EHR to the 2015 
Certified EHR technology cures update. It's, it's a bit of a mouthful. Reach out to your EHR vendor, talk to them. It's really important that you do that. Uh, depending on how you're reporting your quality measures, it could be as soon as January 1st. So this, this is really timely. That would be January 1st, 2023. Or at the very latest, October 1st, 2023. When you talk to your EHR vendor, it has to do with the way that you're reporting your quality measures. Really important. Some of the other changes that we're seeing is the automatic exemptions for small practices. So small practices, according to CMS QPP rules, are practices with 15 or fewer eligible clinicians. Uh, if you are a eligible practice, you may be able to take some automatic exemptions on promoting interoperability. Uh, CMS has seen small practices struggle with that. Uh, so they're, they're taking the burden off. Will they either retool it? or they allow small practices to figure out what they need to do to actually do well at it. And another exemption, but you have to apply for it, is the cost category. The cost category is really hard for small practices to, to know what their score is going to be until after they get their score, so there's no chance for them to change it. And that's going to be available for small practices. But there's been a significant number of individual quality measures that were changed, over 75 of them were we actually just did a webinar on this a couple of weeks ago. I invite our listeners to go check that out. Uh, we go into greater detail about what those measures are, the new and changed improvement activities. There's a whole laundry list of individual small changes uh, that were made in the program this year. Great info there. And to reiterate Aaron's point, uh, I think you'll find the webinar very informative. Lots of info there. We're about 45 minutes worth of stuff for you guys to go out and check out. All right. Given that, now, we've obviously got various folks listening, practices, hospitals, et cetera. What would you tell a practice who has not participated in MIPS before, or maybe who just hasn't scored as well? Where should they start in seeking out? Should I go down this path or how to improve? What would you suggest first? Yeah, it, it is very daunting. Like, like in the federal program. It's confusing. There's a lot of rules. The rules change every year. Where to begin? Great question. I, I would say start by seeing if your providers are eligible or not. If you know for certain that they are eligible or your, maybe your practice as a whole is eligible, uh, that's important. Because if you're not eligible and you haven't started this year for 2023, Use 2023 instead as a preparation year to participate in 2024. Now, if you are eligible and you're panicking right now, well, don't panic. There's a lot of great resources out there. For small practices, again, that's 15 or fewer clinicians. There's a lot of free resources available to you where CMS has vendors that will come alongside and hold your hand through the process. Of course, there's SHP. We're more than happy to sit down with you, spend 20, 30 minutes on a call with you to talk you through what all you need to do. Because you're going to need to identify measures, measures that are relevant to your organization and your type of practice. You're going to need to find improvement activities. You'll need to check with your EHR vendor to see what measures and activities they're supporting, promoting interoperability, getting patients enrolled in patient portal, that sort of thing. There are a lot of moving parts. And if you are eligible for MIPS in 2023, and you haven't begun preparation, well, I hate to say it's too late. It's never really truly too late, but you need to start working on it now instead of waiting until after the first of the year. But we are more than happy to help you at SHP. 
Uh, our website, shpllc.com slash webinars is where you'll find recordings of all of our webinars regarding QPP. So that may be another place you want to begin. Uh, two years ago, Jason, we did some webinars about the origins, the individual origins and really deep diving into each of the categories. That would also be a great resource for someone who wants to learn the whole history and, and how we got to where we are. Yeah. Now that the, the reimbursement penalty is climbing the ranks there and as hurtful as it is, another incentive to kind of get on the train there. Yeah. And, and that, that raises a good point, Jason. If you don't participate and you are eligible, that's a 9% reduction on your Medicare Part B payments. And for a practice that has a large Medicare population, that could be huge. Yeah. Yeah. Early on that, when it was less, that was kind of the rationale for folks not participating, right? Oh, it's only, you know, 1%, 2%. Now it's nine. It kind of moves the dial a little bit. So we, we've talked about how you got in the QPP. We've talked about the origins of it. We've, we've talked about the changes for next year. And then just now a lot of what to do action, call to action type items. Anything else you want to highlight for the group? Yeah, I, I hinted at it earlier. We have the MIPS evolution, the MVP program. So MVP is the way that traditional MIPS is going to evolve. If you've ever participated in an ACO or know someone who has, think as, as an MVP, as, uh, as a micro ACO. So that's the way that the program will evolve in the future. We'll make the administrative burden a little bit lighter. And this final rule went into some more information about the types of MVPs that you'll be able to choose from. Starting next year, it'll be a voluntary process. And then three years from now in 2026, it's going to be mandatory that you participate in MVP. So if you're just getting started or you've been in the program for a really long time, understanding what the MVPs are and how they're going to work for you is really important. Again, going back to if you have questions about that, you can call us or you can call the QPP help desk. Uh, they're available at qpp.cms.gov and more than happy to help. They're, they're a great resource. And I'll reiterate again that the webinar that Aaron's referencing, if you go to shplc.com backslash webinars, you'll see it there dated November 15th. Very informative PowerPoint presentation there for your reference. Uh, please take a look at it. Aaron's information's on the website. Otherwise, how can they find you, Aaron? You can find me uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Aaron C. Higgins, or you can uh, click the link in the show notes. We'll have uh, everything linked below, or you can shoot me an email. That's a Higgins, A-H-I-G-G-I-N-S at shplc.com. Fantastic. Great information. Appreciate your time, Aaron, and insight. Appreciate everybody listening. I'm sure we'll uh, talk QPP at some point next year as well, obviously. What that. Thanks again for joining us and have a great rest of your day. Hey, you too, Jason. You've been listening to Beyond the Stethoscope, Vinyl Conversations with SHP. This has been a production of Strategic Healthcare Partners. Your news hosts today were Jason Crosby and me, Aaron Higgins. It is produced and edited by Nyla Weave. Our social media content producers are Nyla Weave and Jeremy Miller. And our executive producers are Mike Scribner and John Crew. For more information about SHP and the services we offer, including the back library of episodes, episode transcripts, links to resources discussed, and much, much more, please visit our website at shpllc.com. Thanks for listening. 
Analytics. Lacking the tandem of actionable reporting with expert analysis? Not confident in the knowledge of your reporting system? SHP's expert analysts transform data from your EMR system into actionable insights. Understand your facility's performance, control outcomes, and enhance patient experience. As payment models shift to value-based care, our guidance can improve your bottom line. Visit shpllc.com for details.